welcome to In Step Podcast, a ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Billings, Montana. This podcast is all about you, me, and Jesus walking in step. Our goal is to gain a fresh perspective to apply the principles of God's Word to our everyday life. Thanks for joining us. And now, let's see what God has for us today in step. You, me, Jesus. Well, thank you so much for joining us for episode five of the InStep podcast. Uh, We hope your time with us helps you to walk in step with Jesus. Now, today's episode features Ed and Deb Smith. Now, they've been a part of the Emmanuel family for many years, uh, faithfully serving the Lord in many capacities. Um, Ed Ed has worked for State Farm Insurance for almost 40 years, while uh, Deb works in the medical field as a registered nurse, both caring for patients and teaching courses in cardiac issues and trauma. They've been married for 42 years, have uh, two grown sons, two grandchildren, with a third on the way. Throughout the years, they've served with uh, youth, music programs, life groups, missions, and many other ministries. Now, currently, they lead a Sunday morning life group here at Emmanuel 930 called Maranatha and coordinate our mission efforts in Ukraine. The Smiths have served the Lord faithfully and are pleased to say, here we are, Lord, use us. Well, I've asked them to come on the podcast today to talk about their upcoming trip to Ukraine uh, to share some challenges and victories of mission trips and ways that you can be involved in the mission efforts here at home. If you haven't chosen to go on a mission trip, it is truly a life-changing experience that you will never regret. I'm looking forward to sharing with you the wonderful insights Ed and Deb uh, share with me on today's episode. So here it is, Episode 5 with Ed and Deb Smith. All right. Well, welcome to uh, episode five of the podcast. Thanks so much, Ed and Deb, for being on the show with us. Thank you. You're welcome. Us. Thank you for asking us. Yeah, well, I'm really excited for what uh, the Lord has for us today and this conversation. We're talking about missions today. And we're talking about this mission trip that you guys are leading to the country of Ukraine. Now, this is not your first go around, but before we dive into that, just tell me a little bit about some of the ministries you guys are involved with here at Emmanuel, and kind of a brief summary of your Sunday, Sunday morning uh, life group that you lead. Well, our Sunday morning life group is uh, senior adults, and uh, we have about 70, and they're just precious people, and we uh, do book studies, so we have been studying five different books. Currently, we're in the book of Jude, so we do a uh, sequence of ongoing teaching that just continues on, and once we finish, we go on to the next book. Excellent, excellent. So the book of Jude, how many weeks have you been taken to do that study? We're on book, uh, we're on week number 17, and we're all the way to verse 6. <laughs> week 17 of Jude, and you're on verse 6. Yeah. Wow, that is an in-depth study. That's it fantastic. Is. That's fantastic. And Ryan, I'm the support person of the uh, group. I um, work behind the scenes. We plan the activities like the dinners and things like that. I'm responsible for that. Okay, awesome. We are a team. We we work together, have been doing it for a long time. Yeah, well-oiled machine. That's fantastic. You guys meet at 930, and your class is called Maranatha. Is that right? Maranatha, which means the Lord is returning. The Lord is returning. Amen. Those listening um, uh, to this podcast, some have gone on, on mission trips. Some are thinking about mission trips. Maybe some have never even considered going on a mission trip before. So tell us a little bit about your experience with Ukraine um, how, how you got involved, and, and how long you've been going, and, and what specifically you hope to accomplish this year? Well, my brother is the president of Titus International, which is the uh, mission group that we go with. 
And when we were both children, we would talk about becoming missionaries together and going, interestingly, to someplace behind the Iron Curtain. So the Iron Curtain came down Ukraine in 1992. So he called me on the phone and said, Deb, it's time for us to plan a trip. So it took us a number of years, but our first trip was in 1998. We took a physician and three nurses, and my brother um, was the leader of that team. And the reason Ed didn't go was because our boys were in high school, and it was difficult to leave um, them by themselves. So I went because it was a medical team. Then um, the next year we went was 2000, and we went every year um, until 2010. And at that time, it seemed like our uh, ministry was really finished in Ukraine. And we left with the idea that if anything came up or they needed help, that we would always be there for them. And they contacted us then again in 2015 and asked us to come back. And, and that started this series of trips. And, you know, it has been a really interesting time because we've seen so many changes take place over there. The advantage of going back to the same area, same country over a period of years as you build friendships, acquaintances, you build contacts with pastors and national pastors and, and local missionaries, and it really makes things go smoothly when you bring teams on a continual basis. And those friendships that you build really translate into a ministry team that encompasses not just Americans, but Ukrainians and Americans working together and um, sharing a common bond in the Lord and seeing God do miracles out in those villages. Yeah, that is so awesome. So how many trips total have you guys taken? Are you obviously well, keeping count? we are taking our 13th trip to Ukraine, our, our 13th team uh, this year. But we have also gone to Central America and we've gone to China. So I think is 15 or 16 trips we have taken altogether. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. I love that. And, and you've had some folks come with you guys on previous trips that um, maybe maybe Joe Average churchgoer wouldn't think is a mission trip fit. But tell me a little bit about some of those members of your of your teams who have gone that um, maybe were real nervous about it, were real unsure about how they would do, about how the trip would go. Tell me how the trips turned out for them. Well, let me start first, and then I'll let Deb say a few things, too. Um, one of the initial responses for all those who have never gone on a missions trip is fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of language barrier, fear of cultural differences and not knowing what to do. Um, that's why we do a lot of preparation ahead of time so that when people go, we've tried to prepare them as best as we can so they aren't just entering into something, into the great unknown without any understanding um, that even includes some cultural ideas and thoughts and language uh, ideas, but truly um, that initial step of faith, like when the angel appeared to Isaiah and said, whom shall we send? And he stepped out and said, here am I, Lord. That step of faith is a huge building block for those new people to go, and it really affects their life from that point on. And we've seen that happen time and time again. I know when I come back, I really find myself noticing people I should be talking to about Jesus, noticing people I should be praying for. It really heightens your your sense of awareness of um, the need of Christ in people's lives. 
I do know when people hear of a medical team, they're like, well, I'm not a medical person. I really wouldn't have anything to offer. Well, that's not true. (laughs) We are a medical team. We use medicine to share the gospel with people. We really have a threefold ministry um, in Ukraine. First of all is the medical. We, We treat people in the villages. We treat their medical conditions. But we're also working with translators, with young people, with um, with young college students, and we're training them to reach their people, to reach nationals with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then we're also um, there to have fellowship and to and really to encourage um, the believers. And going as far as we do is a huge encouragement to people who don't have a lot of fellowship, who don't have a lot of um, people that they can get together with and and share their needs and share interests and be excited about Jesus. So we do have this threefold ministry, but we are a medical team. And, you know, people say, well, I can't go because I'm not a medical person. We will find a job for you to do (laughs) if it's we... um, take reading glasses, and you could um, help pass out reading glasses. Mm -hmm. We also try to do some ministry with children. You could work with children. Um, We have a ministry that we work with widows, and you could work with widow ladies. So it, it it really is something that anybody at our church could do. You just have to be willing to go. Yeah. Yeah, and, and let me ask another question. So, in terms of the medical portion of it, we're not are we we're not talking about you know deep medical procedures. We're talking about kind of basic medical stuff, right? Like first aid kind of things, right? Like family practice medicine. That's the best way to describe it. And in fact, uh, if I I'll tail on what Deb just said, um, we are an evangelistic team first, a medical team second. We use medicine as the tool to bring people to the from the villages to our clinics. But the one of the very first things that they do when we come to triage and we find out what they're coming for medically, we also ask them if we can pray with them, if they have any spiritual needs, if there's something they'd like us to pray with them about. And they get asked that at least three or four times in the course of the clinic from triage to talking with the nurses, with the doctors, with the pharmacists, everyone are believers that are doing this. So all these folks that come have great needs. Um, The death rate exceeds the birth rate in Ukraine. Mm. There's a lot of conflict going on right now on the the Eastern Front with Russia. Uh, Many men have lost their lives, and the war widows that Deb talked about that we have ministry with are a result of that. Um, They are left really penniless, and so we take things over for them, like clothing and all that. Like Jesus said, if we, you know, how did you treat me when you clothed people, when you gave them food, when you gave them medicines, if I can stretch that a little bit, mm-hmm. when you took care of their physical needs, you also were taking care of me and you were pre- preaching the gospel. And we use that then to allow us the privilege of sharing Jesus with them. And many trust the Lord as a result of that. So like Deb said, with the... Uh, this idea, over the years, we have uh, both Fred, her brother, the president of uh, Titus, and I have taught at the Bible Institutes over there. 
and the the young men and ladies that have attended those have been our translators. And so we teach them how to lead people to the Lord. We teach them how to do it after we're gone. We work with them on, on reaching the nationals there in their villages, which is like going back 100 years ago, uh, as opposed to the city. So there's so there's a dichotomy there that exists. And so if we can train and leave a little bit of what we brought with us, not only from medicines, but training, it really goes a long ways in, in encouraging those folks. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what you guys hope to accomplish this year when you guys, you're going uh, in, in late May, early June. Is that right? Yes. So what, what are the goals for this trip? Well, the goals are very similar. As we tell everybody, every trip is the same, but it's different. <laughs> and, you know, we have new people going with us. So we have a, a training opportunity with the new folks that are going. Um, two of them expressed a little bit of fear of going. They've never done this before. And I tell them that's good because when we are afraid, we trust in the Lord more and we lean on him. Yeah. The good news is we always have experienced people that go back with us as well. So we have that combination, and we get to see people grow that are part of our team even before our eyes. Some have never done a devotional before. Some of them have never seen some of the things we're going to see. Um, the language barriers, the cultural differences um, are all part of the learning curve, and it makes us be more aware of the world in general that needs Jesus rather than just where we live. And when they come back, it really affects that. So we have those conversations before, during, after and one of the things we do every night um, as we get done with our clinic we have uh, a time of reflection um, we call it debriefing you know what did we see today what you know what tragedy things did you see how did it affect you because it's emotional sometimes and we talk about that and we pray for these people and it becomes real and we take that home with us and then at the end of each trip we ask every one of our team members to give us their insight of what they saw, what they did, how they felt, how God affected their lives as a result of it. And we compile that and we share that with the church. And we usually have a, a picture show at the uh, end and invite people to come see what we saw. Mm -hmm. But it impacts our team members dramatically. And so every team is, is the same but different. And every time we see God work in our midst, we call them God sightings. Uh, every day we see those many things happen and it definitely God working in our midst. Yeah. And I think also when you think of our team, you think of the people that are going from Emmanuel, but truly our team involves our Ukrainian friends too, mm -hmm. because without an interpreter, you really do not have much of a way to communicate with people. There are, there are nonverbal ways like holding somebody's hand or giving them a hug. And, you know, those go a long way. But truly, you need somebody to, that speaks the language to be able to talk with these people for you. So our team not only involves the manual people, it, it really um, also encompasses all of our Ukrainian friends, all of our interpreters. We have people who cook for us, who, who make meals for us. We have a driver who... Um, drives uh, church vans. So all of those people are included in our team. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. So tell me a little bit about some of the greatest challenges and, and victories involved in going on this kind of a mission trip. Let's start with challenges, then we'll go to, then we'll go to victories. Sure. The challenges are just the logistics of arranging a team and going thousands of miles to another country. Um, the advantage, as I said before, of going to the same place is you've got a network already established. 
And we stay in touch with these people all year long. It's not like we don't talk to them until we get there. Um, they lay out where the clinics are going to be. We let them select the villages. As a result of our ministry, which I think is the highlight of what we've done to emphasize the, the evangelistic outreach, over the years that we've been going, we have seen, as a result of these clinics, 15 churches established in villages that wow. are ongoing. We've seen a youth camp be established in one of them. And I'll tell a story about that in after bit. Um, but it's amazing to see what God has done. And so the, the conversations, the emails, the telephone calls, the arrangements ahead of time for housing, for transportation, for meals, all that is all part of the logistics that's not really exciting ministry, but it, it's what you have to do to make it work. And so that's always a challenge, but God always works it out. And we always have plan A, B, C, and D, uh, because there are days when God changes our minds and he says, this is what you had, but I've got something better. And what sometimes appears to be a complete uh, disaster, God turns and makes it into something wonderful that we never anticipated. Um, and we've seen it happen time and time again. Yeah. Yeah. So the challenges are, are basically the investment before you even go. Yes. Uh, to, to make sure all the details are worked out. Yes. And, and the devil is in the details, isn't it? <laughs> well, okay. The Lord's in the details. That's probably a better saying. Yeah, that's better. <laughs> but um, having a plan, and just because we have a plan doesn't mean that that plan has to work exactly like it's supposed to. But if you don't have a plan, then you're going in blind. And what are you, exactly, you know, what exactly. are you going to do? And you guys have been doing this trip enough to where I, I imagine the planning is a lot easier than it used to be in trip one or two or even three, right? It is, but it's still a lot of work. And, you know, the, the, the relief is when we get on the airplane, actually everything is already in motion when no, we get there. the relief is after we empty all the boxes <laughs> and, and have a place for all of that stuff to go. Because part of that planning process is we have to ship our cartons of medicines and supplies at least two months ahead so there's a lot of flurry of activity prior to going. And then there's this period of rest when we then get together, meet, we pray together, both for ourselves and for the people we're going to meet, for our translators, for all those that are working with us, so that God paves the way for us. By the time we get there, everything falls into place. Oh, glory to God. I love that. I love that. So what about some victories? Uh, on mission trips. Tell us a story or two about some amazing thing God's done. Well, um, a couple years ago, we um, went to a village called Makaletovici, and we started a church there. The pastor um, that was starting the church was a man that um, Ed had taught in Bible Institute, and him and his wife moved to this village. It was very dark, a lot of alcohol, a lot of drugs, it was it was really a, a village. It was hidden because during the Cold War, people um, worked in nuclear plants, and they never left the village. They stayed there. They had to. They were not permitted to travel. Mm. So we went to this village, and um, what we did was we had our clinic, and then after the clinic, we had uh, a church service. And then the next day was Sunday, and it was the first church service at Makalinovici. So a lady came, and she had the worst leg ulcer I've ever seen. Um, her leg, her skin was eaten to the bone. 
And truly, in the United States, she would have been put in into the hospital. She would have been um, taken to Whirlpool every day. They would have had to debreed it. And she might not have survived. But here she is in a dirty place. And I mean, this leg looked awful. It was dirty. It was gross. And so... We did what we could do to clean it up with what we had, Mm -hmm. and um, we gave her supplies. And, you know, you're talking, you think about, well, cleaning something up with water. Their water is all contaminated. Mm -hmm. So how do you teach somebody to even wash their hands when the water that they use is contaminated? But we prayed with her, and we shared the gospel, and she was the first convert at this church. And her friend was the second convert. And they, her friend said, I will take care of her, and I will, you know, help her. So we prayed with her. Um, we um, were excited, and we, we continued to pray for her all year. So the next year we went back thinking she would she died mm. because she should not have lived mm-hmm. and the first lady who walked through the door was this lady and she says I want to show you my leg and you're thinking oh no it's going to be bad and she's upset and her leg was like baby skin it had totally been healed wow and she said oh it was healed within a month or two of you coming mm. and she said, it's a miracle. You you performed a miracle. I said, no, God performed a miracle. Because <laughs> truly, she should not have survived. Yeah. And and it was exciting. And we've and we've seen her one other time, and she was older and she has died. And mm-hmm. when we talked to her friend, she said at, at on her deathbed, she said she was so grateful that she had accepted Jesus because she mm-hmm. knew that she was going to heaven. Wow. So wow. it was pretty exciting. That's awesome. How about you, Ed? Oh, Tell well, a story think, about I what I think my favorite done. story um, is is a little lengthy, so I'll, I'll cut it short. There was a lady in the, in the city of Kiev, a large city, um, the biggest city in, in Ukraine, and she became a believer. And like so many times happens, the family rejects those. And she, in fact, the children, the two teenagers and her husband kicked her out of her house. Mm-hmm. She had no place to go. She was a teacher by trade. She moved north to a small village called Yasnogrodka, um, a, a nondescript little town, like going back 100 years ago. She found a little rundown house for what would be equivalent of $1,000 American and bought it and began to fix it up. And, and God just burdened her. Um, because she had become a believer and, and she was really growing, reading her Bible, but there was no pastor there. There was nothing up there. And so she asked God, what could she do? And this this little village sits on a big lake called the Kiev Sea. It's actually the reservoir for the city of Kiev. And it's not too far from the Chernobyl disaster reactor where this is. And she began to pray. And so God burdened her heart that well, you can start to teach children. You're a teacher. So she started gathering children from this village, and ultimately she had about 45 children coming to a Bible uh, Bible time club where she taught them Bible and Bible stories and did all that, and lots of these kids got saved. But then she became more burdened that there would be something more lasting there, and she began to pray. And some of the young people from the Bible Institute where Fred and I taught 
got wind of this, heard about it, went up and saw it. And it was one of the very first clinics that we did um, around 2000, maybe 2001. And we went up there and it was a large clinic. We saw over 100 people that day. And we, the young people and, um, and us, we, we, we preached. We had a service afterwards. We had music. It really invited the whole, the whole uh, place to come. This lady, her name was Allah. And Allah just kept praying that, that, that they would send a pastor. Well, one of the Bible Institute young people then after this clinic decided that God called him there. He went up and started this fledgling church. They met in this run-down old house. Ultimately, they got a boxcar, an old train, and they converted that and made it into a church building. Today, because of the vision of this lady, there is now a beautiful church that's built there. And now also there is a youth camp that has been built in this town. And hundreds of kids from Kiev come up there as a result of that and go to a, a, a Christian camp and hear the gospel and so God has just taken one woman's prayer. She reminds us of Lydia in Acts chapter 16, where she prayed and Paul came and they met with her and a church was established there in Thessalonica. And so it's that whole idea that uh, you know, it just takes one person's vision and what God did to multiply this. We've been to that, back to that, that particular village three or four times, and it's just amazing to see what God has done there. And yeah. so... Um, it's just one of the miracles that we've seen that's that because of longevity and going back to see how God took a little seed and made it grow. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely love that. I love that. It's so fun to be able to, you know, you said the first time was 2000-ish, you know, uh, turn of the century. And now here we are, 2019, and we're rejoicing at the growth that God has brought about in 20 well, years from the vision of this one, this one woman. And something else. Her husband got saved and her children got saved and they're back together now. And that just wow. happened this last year. It just year. happened really? this last so year. That was, yes. that, really? Paul Harvey would say this is the rest of the story. After yes. all those years of her faithfulness, her family has been reunited together and they're oh, all believers. So I just, love that. <laughs> I love that because they kicked her out because she gave her yes, life to Jesus. That's exactly so right. She, all those years. Oh, praise the Lord. That is so great. So let's say um, there's some folks out there that are listening to this podcast and they're thinking, okay, well, Ukraine's coming up in May or June. Maybe there's, you know, there's likely other mission trips coming up later on this year. But let's say they want to go to Ukraine sometime soon. How can a person start to prepare to go maybe next year? Well, first of all, you need to listen to what the Lord has to say. If the Lord wants you to go, he will make everything happen. So really pray about it and pray, if, is this what the Lord has for me? You can come and talk to us. We'd love to talk to you about um, opportunities. There's many opportunities. And, you know, even this year, I didn't mention, Ryan, that our team includes our Ukrainian friends. It includes us here at Emmanuel. But it includes everybody that prays for us, everybody that... Um, gives money, everybody that gives supplies, everybody's included in that. And it really, it's a huge team because we have a great church here. And so truly, if you're interested in Ukraine, give us a call or come to our life group at 930 and I'd love to talk to you. We can go out to coffee. Um, Ed could share some things. We would love to just share our burden for Ukraine and what you could do to help us. Last year, one of the new team members that joined us um, 
came up to us and said, you know, I've always supported missions. My husband and I have given toward them. We've loved to hear what missionaries have to say. But this year when I saw on the marquee in the, in the auditorium of the church and saw that the Ukraine team, the Lord just, she said that he didn't speak out loud, but he spoke to my heart and said, you need to go. <laughs> and I said, you know, when you hear God, maybe not audibly speak to you, but speak to your heart and you just sense it. I said, God's got something special in store for you. And if you've been thinking about going, if somebody says, Ed, you know what, we'd like to go and we have those conversations uh, it, it makes all the difference. That first, the most important step is saying, I am willing to go. Mm-hmm. Once you do that, then there's some other obligations that, that come up that are really important. You have to uh, financially plan for that, um, whether raise support. We help people write letters. Um, they can send out to get support. Uh, some people are able to do that on their own. Um, but that financial commitment, the time commitment, the spiritual commitment, it's on multiple levels, and once you start down that road, if God is in it, then it's going to come all about. And the first thing is to respond when the Lord just impresses on your heart to do that, whether it's Ukraine or wherever it may be, um, to make that first step. And and I can tell you, we have never, ever had anyone tell us we wish we hadn't gone. They always yes. is the opposite. We learn so much. I grew so much. The blessing that we go to try to be to people is far exceeded by what God, how he blesses us as a result of going every time. Oh, isn't that amazing how the Lord does that? We he think, does. We think mission trips all about what God's going to do through us for the people. And we end up coming back being, being we, blessed. We're convinced far more than they were, yes. which may or may not be true. But we come back being blessed more than we expected to be yeah, blessed. Absolutely. Yep. It's, again, not just, it's not just the Lord blessing us, but it's the blessing that they gave, the people that we serve how they responded to us and how it blessed our hearts and it makes you want to go back and do oh, it again. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's the thing about going on a mission trip is it plants that seed of wanting to go on more. I, I know yes. uh, one of our team members for Ecuador last June went with you guys to Ukraine. And, and I tell people, I love this. I said, here is a retired guy who instead of working on his golf game and his flower garden is globe trotting for Jesus, <laughs> you know, contributing to mission efforts, going on mission trips and he did a fantastic job for you guys. He did a fantastic job for us. Um, and he was he was blessed and was a blessing to so many folks. And uh, I, I wish I wish you could see you, you saw him in action, man. When when he's there, he's just he's having fun. <laughs> and you know, t- we were talking a little bit ago about fear. And you know, we all have fear. We we've done this a lot, and we're very familiar with all the people we're going to work with. We're familiar with the with the country, but you know, there's that sense of fear as you get ready to go. Um, you know, fear, what's, what's the Lord going to show us today? (laughs) And truly, um, like Ed said earlier, when you have that fear, you depend on the Lord and that's who we want to depend on. We don't want to depend on ourselves. Yeah. I I don't think I've gone on a mission trip where I didn't have some element of fear whether yeah. leading or being a part of it, just the unknown. It's different. Yes. It's, it's yes. uncomfortable. It's stretching us. And, and the Lord always comes through and does exceedingly far more than we ever could imagine. Yes. Exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. That's right. right. It's an That's Ephesians right. uh, 3 moment. So it is. Yeah. It, it, and, you know, God always supplies our need. Uh, he knows what we need ahead of time. And when he changes... That's one of the things that we tell people before we even get over there. That's a conversation piece. 
be flexible. Mm-hmm. Don't be rigid because sometimes we don't know. In fact, one of our one of our favorite people we deal with over there's name is Vlad Kozubovsky and he uh he's a he's a national pastor missionary just got a huge heart for the Lord. I'd love to bring him here sometime to Emmanuel because you would just love this guy. He's a big bear of a guy and he's just motivated. But every time when, when I speak in the, in the church there and, and we have, or Deb and I sing or whatever we do in the big central church of about 2,000 people, um, Vlad gives us this, this very detailed schedule of what's going to happen during the service down to the minutes and we never follow it. And I said to him, Vlad, why do you give us this schedule that we never follow? And he goes, he says, that way you know what we're going to change. <laughs> and so that's just the way it is, you know. That is exactly what a mission trip is like. You never, you have your plan, but God sometimes changes that. Yeah, yeah, so true, so true. Well, to finish this off, um, I know you guys are looking for um, uh, folks to partner with you financially. But also there's a, a medical supplies that you guys are shipping here in a few weeks down to Ukraine. And I know folks here at Emmanuel who could say, well, you know, I want to contribute to this mission trip. Obviously, I can't go this year um, for whatever reason. But um, how can they be involved with the medical part of this trip? Well, we put in the bulletin uh, and have been and will be for the next few weeks uh, an insert that lists all the supplies that we need. We've already packaged up six boxes full of supplies and medicines um, and many of the prescriptions we have to get ourselves, and we, we get them at great discounts from places um, that, uh, that offer to mission teams. But a lot of the things we ask our people to give are things that they can get easily over the counter at local stores, that kind of thing. And... Um, we also take stuffed animals and clothing and things that we, for, for some of the special projects we do. So those are all things that we line up ahead of time. But let me just say this, you know, uh, to quote the Apostle Paul, when, when people do things for the Lord, he made it very clear that when you do this, um, these things are added to your account. And it's not just those who go. We're not any more important than those who pray that can't go. Those who give financially, give products that we can take, those that lift us up in prayer while we are gone and continually hold us before the Lord, those, all those people are just as important as us in going because many can't go and, and this is their way to go. We tell our class of senior adults, we covet their prayers because we know as prayer warriors, they will lift us up and they get us through those hard points and hard days. And so there is just as important as us in going. And so it, it's, it, it is the community of believers. And it's not just those who step out and go. I believe God gives us some special blessing as a result of that because we go. But it doesn't make us better. It doesn't make us unique. It doesn't make us anything other than the ones who were sent. And it takes people sending to send those. And so we're all part of God's family. And one of the things we really need is money for Bibles. We buy Bibles over there. And last year, we realized that the children's Bibles were the one Bible that we were giving out the most to to people. And a lot of the older ladies and men, well, I'm not sure if it were... If was the the um, print was a little larger and they could read it, or if they were taking it for their grandchildren, but it's a great way to get the gospel into homes to people who really have no idea about 
Bible stories with a children's Bible. So this year we're going to get more children's Bibles. So we're going to have them available. But how much money did we spend last year on Bibles? We 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 committed fifteen hundred dollars from our team to buy Bibles, and we buy them over there, and we can buy these beautiful picture children's story Bibles, um, just like would look like here in the Ukrainian language for about five dollars a piece, and we can buy youth Bibles and um, adult Bibles for about the same price, five to seven dollars. So it's way cheaper for us to buy them over there. Um, where they're printed in their language than trying to, to ship all that. And so we try to be wise with what God gives us to spend. And we never use all of those. So what we leave behind is for all these churches in the villages, the pastors have access to these Bibles to give to their people as people get saved. I found a website that um, had different languages of, of gospel tracts. Oh, yeah. And I was able to um, get 500 gospel tracts. And the website, they offer these tracts um, for no charge. Wow. So we were pretty excited. We were going to try to create some kind of a gospel track. And this was a lot easier having them um, just copy it over for us in Ukrainian. I'll give you one more example here of how our people get involved. Um, Many of the ladies make scarves for us. Many have made quilts and children's blankets. There's a group that are making these beautiful handbags out of material that's left over from quilt making, and they have a little drawstring top, and we put everyone that comes through the clinics and comes to the pharmacy, we put all those things in these really pretty bags, which they they love. The ladies love those. They keep those. They cherish them because they don't have anything like that. And now we're going to be able to put a gospel track in each one of those. And besides, and if they're a believer, we're going to tell them to give these tracks to someone that is not. If they're not a believer, we ask them to read it. And so we always are looking for something new that we can do. And it's just exciting. (laughs) That's so great. That's so great. Well, we are so excited uh, for what the Lord's going to do through this trip. We know, even though you guys have been on many trips, that this is a unique trip with unique people, unique challenges, unique victories. And God's going to do an incredible work through you guys and through your team here in May and June. So we promise you our prayers. And uh, if you want to come alongside this uh, Ukrainian mission trip, uh, bring the supplies that you see in the in the bulletin. Uh, bring some money for Bibles, money for the trip, and of course your prayers in any other way. And if you're interested in coming, find Ed and Deb Smith, 930 in the Shiloh Room across from the sanctuary. They're right there. You can chat with them about uh, uh, maybe gearing up to go to Ukraine in 2020. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So, thank you, Ryan. So Ed and Deb, thank you so much for joining us uh, today and, and telling us a little bit about what the Lord's doing in, in your life and, and in this mission trip. And once again, we're looking forward to what God's going to do. So thank you. Praise thank the Lord. You. Thank, you. thank you. Well, thanks again to Ed and Deb Smith and their willingness to come on the podcast today. I loved hearing about all the Lord has done in and through them, through their efforts in Ukraine. Well, as you can see from our conversation, when we're willing to say, here I am, Lord, use me, then God will do wonderful things in and through you. In essence, it's simply finding ways to serve the Lord and being faithful to do that. Here at Emmanuel, there are multiple opportunities to go on mission, both domestically and abroad. I've led a mission trip to Ecuador in the last two years and plan on visiting them again this year. We also have mission efforts to Vancouver, Gillette, Wyoming, Edmonton, Nepal, and the youth just returned from a mission trip in Dallas. So for more information, you can go to our website at myemmanuel.net. Finally, please lift up the Ukraine mission team in your prayers. 
Check out the insert in the bulletin for specific things you can buy and bring to the church. And please bring your items by Sunday, February 24th, so they can be boxed up and shipped to Ukraine in March. If you'd like to donate to purchase Bibles, you can simply bring your money to our church office or donate online, designate your gift, and we will use it for that trip. As always, if you aren't already subscribed to the Emmanuel Podcast, take a few minutes, find us on your device, and click subscribe. You can also hop on our website at myemmanuel.net and find it there. And don't forget to share this content with a friend, and while you're at it, share it on social as well. Thank you for joining us today for the InStep Podcast. InStep. You. Me. Jesus. Thanks for listening to the InStep Podcast, a ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Billings, Montana. We hope your time with us today has encouraged, strengthened, and helped you walk in step with Jesus. New episodes are available every other Wednesday, so please subscribe, share us with a friend, and like us on Facebook. Also, don't forget to check out our website at myemmanuel.net. And finally, please don't change or alter the content in any way without our permission. Until next time, in step, you, me, Jesus.